It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you know, Rich, uh, we have some heavy, heavy things to talk about today. Um, and uh, I don't know where else you would hear what we're going to be discussing today in, in this particular way. But uh, what is the sweetest thing? We'll start off with something to make people think. What is the sweetest thing you know? What say you, Rich? I'm with you. Let's listen. All right. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his holy name. That's the reason why I love him so. Cause Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Jesus, you're the sweetest name. Just the same as your holy name, and that's the reason why I love you so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name, yes, Jesus is the sweetest. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful harmony. Uh, you know, Rich, I was thinking, um, if people really believe that, why don't they why don't they listen to what Jesus said about little ones? He says, suffer the little children to come unto me. And, um, and he went on and on about children, about those little innocent ones. The most innocent among us are the tiniest little unborn babies that are full and complete and human in every way. And, um, and so maybe we can get people to just kind of wake up a little bit and really consider uh, to consider what it's all about. Now, you know, folks, the Hyde Amendment is a big thing in the news. The Democrats don't really want to talk about it, but they are committed to reversing the Hyde Amendment. That was Congressman Henry Hyde uh, years ago who wanted to protect a little bit at least the innocent unborn. And we're going we're gonna to hear his speech a little later. But I tell you, uh, I want the folks now to hear the diary of an unborn baby. Listen to this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Diary of an Unborn Baby. Day one, fertilization. All the human chromosomes are present. A unique human life begins. Weeks one through two, 
The DNA in the baby's 46 chromosomes of the one cell contain individual sex, eye color, brain capacity, and other physical traits. Weeks three through four, the heart begins to beat with the baby's own blood, often a different blood type than the mother's. The baby is developing rapidly at this time with the formation of the umbilical cord. Weeks five through six, the baby's eyes, legs, and hands begin to develop. The brain waves are detectable and can be scientifically measured. The mouth, lips present, fingers forming. The baby begins his first movements. Week seven, the eyelids and toes form. The nose is distinct. The baby is kicking and swimming. Week eight, every organ is in place. The baby's bones, fingerprints begin to form. Weeks nine and 10, teeth continue to form. Fingernails develop. The baby head can turn and sometimes frown. Week 11, the baby can grasp objects placed in the hand. The kidneys begin to function and the baby can mimic the movements of breathing. Week 12, the baby has reached the peak frequency of movement and rarely pauses for more than five minutes. Week 14, the baby's heart is pumping several quarts of blood through the body every day. The smallest details are now taking shape. Week 17, the baby can have dream sleep. Week 20, the baby can hear the mother's voice and feel soothed. During the past nine months, one cell has grown into more than 100 million cells. With no new parts to form, the baby is ready to be born. Respect life. Yeah. Um, the last two words, respect life. What do you think about that, Rich? Of course, we know what the Bible says about life, but then also you begin to understand more and more about it as you see the developments in technology and science with 4G ultrasound sure. and so forth. You can actually see the baby in the womb these yeah. days. Yeah, and of course that makes it more and more difficult for people who want to kill the unborn baby to do so. The Democrat Party, including the president, they're having a tough time because they don't really want to talk about what it really is. Rich, do you remember when we first met Jill Stenick? I sure do. How many years ago was that? Well, it was a long time ago, but uh, th this is her story as a nurse. Listen to what Jill Stenick said when I interviewed her many years ago. Here it is. Thanks for having me, Mr. Bott. And you're absolutely right. I was a registered nurse at Christ Hospital on the southwest side of Chicago when I discovered the hospital was not only involved in late-term abortions, but that the method of abortion that the hospital used sometimes resulted in babies being aborted alive. And if they were aborted alive, they were allowed to die in the soiled utility room without any medical intervention whatsoever. So let's, let's just stop there then. And this is the case where they intentionally intended to kill the kid. And they, right. failed, and they failed. And they failed. The child lived anyway. The child was alive anyway. There is the child alive and well. And not well, but is surviving uh, the attempt on its life. And, and so this is the scene uh, that you're describing. And you were a nurse in that hospital. Yes. And went to work there thinking I would be safe at a hospital named Christ from abortion because who would think? But I found out that this was going on, and then one night a nursing co-worker was taking a little abortion survivor to the soiled utility room because his parents didn't want to hold him, and she didn't have time to hold him that night. And he was a 21-week uh, baby, 
And when she told me what she was doing, I couldn't bear the thought of this suffering child dying alone. And so I cradled and rocked him for the 45 minutes that he lived. Now, this is um, a hospital, Christ Hospital, for goodness sakes. Is that associated with a particular church or denomination? or what Yes, is it? it's affiliated with two denominations, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and the United Church of Christ, which are both pro-abortion denominations, which is something I didn't even know existed, um, that a pro-abortion church denomination uh, back in the day. But now I know that it's... It's relatively prevalent. So you were a young nurse in that in that ward, in that hospital, in that department, and so on and so forth. You probably heard whispers. You probably heard little little statements or something that you didn't quite understand or know about. Is it, am I describing this approximately the way it was? Well, actually, it was going on quietly in the in the labor and delivery department since 1978, and I worked in the department for a year and didn't know that it was going on all around me until one night I heard a report that we were aborting a second trimester baby, and that one also had Down syndrome, and that was the first that I heard about it. And even when the story went eventually public, um, nurses in the next department, the neonatal unit, didn't believe it. They didn't know what was going on either. So it was very hush-hush. Well, somebody had to know what was going on, and the truth is what you're describing is happening across America, and no more so than Planned Parenthood that that, are, that is being supported by people's tax money. But go on. In other words, this was your awakening as to what it was all about. Right. I'd been personally pro-life before that time, but needless to say, I think just about anybody who held an abortion survivor, like I did for 45 minutes, would be instantly converted into a pro-life activist. And I was. And so uh, I at first tried to appeal to the hospital privately to stop and followed the mandate of Matthew 18, when Jesus, you know, when you find someone in sin, you approach them privately, took back a couple of witnesses again privately, such as um, Cardinal Francis George of Chicago and Dr. C. Everett Koop, who was a pro-life Surgeon General under President Reagan, he also appealed to the hospital. And when the hospital wouldn't stop, um, I went public. And this was in 1999, and I probably started talking to you not too long after that. Isn't that something? That was a powerful interview. Now, you know, folks, that the Hyde Amendment is being talked about in the news, but do you really know what it's about? Maybe this will wake up some preachers. Maybe this will wake up some of our citizens. Maybe this will cause people to really rethink it and realize how serious it is. Here is the speech that Congressman Henry Hyde gave on the floor of the House of the Representatives at that time. Here it is. Mr. Speaker, I yield the balance of my time to the gentleman from Illinois, Mr. Hyde, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. The gentleman from Illinois is recognized for 15 minutes I ask unanimous consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. And I also beg the indulgence of my colleagues not to ask me to yield because I cannot and will not, and I would appreciate the courtesy. I also want to say briefly that those who have charged us with politics, invidious politics, for delaying this ought to understand that Americans can't believe this practice exists. And it has taken months to educate the American people. And it'll take many more months to educate them as to the nature and extent of this horrible practice. That is one reason it has taken so long. Now, the law exists to protect the weak from the strong. That's why we're here. Mr. Speaker, in his classic novel, Crime and Punishment, <clears throat> 
Dostoevsky has his murderous protagonist, Raskolnikov, say, man can get used to anything, the beast. That we're even debating this issue, that we have to argue about the legality of an abortionist plunging a pair of scissors into the back of the tiny neck of a little child whose trunk arms and legs have already been delivered. And then suctioning out his brains only confirms Dostoevsky's harsh truth. <clears throat> we were told in committee by an attending nurse that the little arms and legs stop flailing and suddenly stiffen as the scissors is plunged in. People who say, I feel your pain, aren't referring to that little infant. What kind of people have we become that this procedure is even a matter for debate? Can't we draw the line at torture and baby torture at that if we can't? What's become of us? We're all incensed about ethnic cleansing. What about infant cleansing? There's no argument here about when human life begins. The child who's destroyed is unmistakably alive, unmistakably human, and unmistakably brutally destroyed. The justification for abortion has always been the claim that a woman can do with her own body what she will. Well, if you still believe that this four-fifths delivered little baby is a part of the woman's body, then I'm afraid your ignorance is invincible. I finally figured out why supporters of abortion on demand fight this infanticide ban tooth and claw. Because for the first time since Roe v. Wade, the focus is on the baby. Not the mother, not the woman, but the baby. And the harm that abortion inflicts on an unborn child, or in this instance, a four-fifths born child. That child, whom the advocates of abortion on demand have done everything in their power to make us ignore, to dehumanize, is as much a bearer of human rights as any member of this house. To deny those rights is more than a betrayal of a powerless individual. It betrays the central promise of America that there is in this land justice for all. The supporters of abortion on demand have exercised an amazing capacity for self-deception by detaching themselves from any sympathy whatsoever for the unborn child, and in doing so, they separate themselves from the instinct for justice that gave birth to this country. There's no moral, nor for that matter, medical justification for this barbaric assault on a partially born infant. Dr. Pamela Smith, Director of Medical Education in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Chicago's Mount Sinai Hospital, testified to that, as have many other doctors. C. Everett Koop, Dr. C. Everett Koop, the last credible Surgeon General that we had, was interviewed by the American Medical Association. In so doing, he cited several cases in which women were told these procedures were necessary to preserve their health and their ability to have future pregnancies. How would you characterize the claims being made in favor of the medical need for this procedure? Quoting Dr. Koop, question, in your practice as a pediatric surgeon, have you ever treated children with any of the disabilities cited in this debate? Have you operated on children born with organs outside of their bodies? Answer, oh yes indeed. I've done that many times. The prognosis is good. There are two common ways that children are born with organs outside of their body. 
One is in omphalocele, where the organs are out but still contained in the sac composed of the tissues of the umbilical cord. I have been repairing these since 1946. The other is when the sac is ruptured. That makes it a little more difficult. I don't know what the national mortality would be, but certainly more than half of those babies survive after surgery. Every once in a while you have other peculiar things such as the chest being wide open and the heart being outside the body. And I have even replaced hearts back in the body and had children grow to adulthood. Question, and live normal lives? Answer, living normal lives in fact the first child I ever did with a huge omphalocele, much bigger than her head, went on to develop well and become the head nurse in my intensive care unit many years later. The abortionist who is a principal perpetrator of these atrocities, Dr. Martin Haskell, has conceded that at least 80% of the partial birth abortions he performs are entirely elective. 80% are elective and he admits to over a thousand of these abortions, and that's some years ago. We're told about some extreme cases of malformed babies as though life is only for the privileged, the planned, and the perfect. Dr. James McMahon, the late Dr. James McMahon, listed nine such abortions he performed because the baby had a cleft lip. Many other physicians who care both about the mother and the unborn child have made it clear this is never a medical necessity, but it is a convenience for the abortionist. It's a convenience for those who choose to abort late in pregnancy when it becomes difficult to dismember the unborn child in the womb. If there is one consistent commitment that has su survived the twists and the turns of policy during this administration. It is an unshakable commitment to a legal regime of abortion on demand. Nothing is or will be done to make abortion rare. No legislative or regulatory act will be allowed to impede the most permissive abortion license in the democratic world. In his memoirs, Dwight Eisenhower wrote about the loss of 1.2 million lives in World War II. And he said the loss of lives that might have otherwise been creatively lived scars the mind of the civilized world. Mr. Speaker, our souls have been scarred by one and a half million abortions every year in this country. Our souls have so much scar tissue there isn't room for any more. And say, what do we mean by human dignity if we subject innocent children to brutal execution when they're almost born? We all hope and pray for death with dignity. Tell me what's dignified about a death caused by having a scissor stabbed into your neck so your brains can be sucked out. We've had long and bitter debates in this house about assault weapons. Those scissors and that suction machine are assault weapons worse than any AK-47. You might miss with an AK-47. The doctor never misses with his assault weapon, I can assure you. It isn't just the babies that are dying for the lethal sin of being unwanted or being handicapped or malformed. We are dying, and not from the darkness, but from the cold. The coldness of self-brutalization that chills our sensibilities, deadens our conscience, and allows us to think of this unspeakable act as an act of compassion. If you vote to uphold this veto, if you vote to maintain the legality of a procedure that is revolting even to the most hardened heart, then please don't ever use the word compassion again. 
A word about anesthesia. Advocates of partial birth abortions tried to tell us the baby doesn't feel pain. The mother's anesthesia is transmitted to the baby. We took testimony from five of the country's top anesthesiologists, and they said this impossible. That result would take so much anesthesia, it would kill the mother. By upholding this tragic veto, you join the network of complicity in supporting what is essentially a crime against humanity. For that little almost born infant struggling to live is a member of the human family. And partial birth abortion is a lethal assault against the very idea of human rights and destroys, along with a defenseless little baby, the moral foundation of our democracy. Because democracy isn't, after all, a mere process. It assigns fundamental rights and values to each human being, the first of which is the inalienable right to life. One of the great errors of modern politics is our foolish attempt to separate our private consciences from our public acts, and it can't be done. At the end of the 20th century is the crowning achievement of our democracy to treat the weak, the powerless, the unwanted as things to be disposed of. If so, we haven't elevated justice. We've disgraced it. This isn't a debate about sectarian religious doctrine nor about policy options. This is a debate about our understanding of human dignity. What does it mean to be human? Our moment in history is marked by a mortal conflict between a culture of death and a culture of life. And today, here and now, we must choose sides. I'm not the least embarrassed to say that I believe one day each of us will be called upon to render an account for what we've done and, maybe more importantly, what we failed to do in our lifetime. And while I believe in a merciful God, I believe in a just God. And I would be terrified at the thought of having to explain at the final judgment why I stood unmoved while Herod's slaughter of the innocents was being reenacted here in my own country. This debate has been about an unspeakable horror. And while the details are graphic and grisly, it has been helpful for all of us to recognize the full brutality of what goes on in America's abortuaries day in and day out, week after week, year after year. We're not talking about abstractions here. We're talking about life and death at their most elemental. And we ought to face the truth of what we oppose or support, stripped of all euphemisms. And the queen of all euphemisms is choice, as though you're choosing vanilla and chocolate instead of a dead baby or a live baby. Now, we've talked so much about the grotesque. Permit me a word about beauty. We all have our own images of the beautiful, the face of a loved one, a dawn, a sunset, the evening star. I believe nothing in this world of wonders is more beautiful than the innocence of a child. Do you know what a child is? She's an opportunity for love. And a handicapped child is an even greater opportunity for love. Mr. Speaker, we risk our souls, we risk our humanity when we trifle with that innocence or demean it or brutalize it. We need more caring and less killing. Let the innocence of the unborn have the last word in this debate. Let their innocence appeal to what President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Let our votes prove Raskolnikov is wrong. There is something we will never get used to. Make it clear once again, there is justice for all, even 
for the tiniest, most defenseless in this our land. And I yield back the balance Mr. of my Chairman, time. Will you yield oh, me? No. Rich, Rich, I want to take the next 20 seconds to pose this question. Here it is, folks. Who will speak up for the little ones? Helpless and half abandoned. They've got a right to choose life they don't want to lose. I've got to speak up, won't you? You see, friends, we've been listening to the voice of Congressman Henry Hyde former Congressman Henry Hyde, and it's around him he was a sponsor of the Hyde Amendment. And that is what, listen to me, folks, that is what the president and the vice president and the whole Democrat Party, including Nancy Pelosi, on and on and on, are absolutely wanting now to tear a tear down and to reverse. And what would you add to that? I like what he said. We need more caring and less killing. Let me give the listener comment line number. It's 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you. I tell you what, I'd like to hear a listener comment right now. Here it is. I love Radio Network. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, and that we are to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so I find in order to try to practice that discipline, I love to listen to Bot Radio Network and all of the wonderful programs. Thank you, Bot Radio Network, for all that you do to help us grow in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, dear lady, for taking the time to call our listener comment line, I really do thank you. Let's take one more. Yes, I enjoy listening to Bach Radio. It is so enlightening to me. I listen to it every day to get the Word of God. And thank you all so much. Uh-huh. Rich, let's take another one now. I think that'd be good. Yeah, I just wanted to give you guys a praise shout uh, for all your work. I just listened to Paul Harvey's audios that Dick Bach gave on his complete story I'm near Nashville, Tennessee, and I just heard it, and uh, fantastic work. I just love that kind of stuff. It's too bad we don't have stuff like that taught in the high schools and the middle schools, junior highs around the nation. I just uh, want to give a shout-out to you guys. Blessings. My dear friend, the indoctrination that is being taught in the high schools, and even now in the grade schools, um, well, I don't want to say any more. (laughs) That's for another program, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. All right, well, Rich... uh, uh, give that number again. 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-345-2621. All right. This is Dick Bott with my son, Rich, with another chapter of The Complete Story as a public service for you folks, and I'll see you later. <laughs> 